Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, the one who knows just about everything there is to know, including solo podcast episodes, Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. Thank you for joining me today, Charlie. I actually listened to your episode yesterday. Did you? Well, I, part of it. I thought it was part of it. <laughs> I listened to the beginning. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I thought it went okay. And I'm it was getting nice used to this that you thing. said 70 to 80% of the time there's usually yeah, a like guest that. on the show. <laughs> and that guest is me most of the time. Everyone listened to part of it because the power went out while yeah. I was recording the episode. And we lost the recording, so I couldn't use that. Uh, the main video recording, we lost that because that turned off. I just happened to also be recording on my laptop, which, of course, has a battery. And so while it lost all the audio and video, the recording stayed intact. So I was able to pull the audio from that video. So if you listen to yesterday's episode, it awkwardly just cuts off yeah. at the end. And, and if that's we had, why. If, you know, if we panned a camera around the rest of the studio, you would just see it stacked with recording devices. Mm-hmm. Just to, like we have devices backing devices up, trying to record all the audio with all the technical problems going on. That's why you only see the small window. Just backup recording of, devices yeah, everywhere. The rest of the office is just constant recording devices. Well, let's get into this, Charlie, because I don't know if you know it, but uh, we're all screwed and everyone's going to die. Did you know that? Yeah. I just wanted to come out now. We already did this a couple months ago when we first heard about the monkeypox. Uh, but when we first started talking about COVID... We were very dis dismissive of the idea that it was going to be this worldwide pandemic that was going to kill everyone. And of course, that is, in fact, what happened. I got to tell you a personal experience. Okay. With monkeypox? I had COVID uh, twice. Twice? Yeah, I think twice, yeah. I had COVID twice. Same um, amount of times you had the vaccine. And then I also was in a car accident. And let me tell you, I'm more afraid of the car accident. Car accidents worse than I am COVID. At your age, yeah. car accidents will kill you. I was a lot more afraid of that one. Well, so we got to come out in front of this one, and I just want to let everyone know this is very serious. Uh, take it extremely seriously. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. We need to shut down the entire country. Spend as many billions of dollars as we possibly can, uh, because this is probably going to infect everyone and kill a large percentage of them. Mm. So just, I don't want to be accused of uh, not putting the right message out there. So there's your message for monkeypox. All right. From the WAPO, uh, who, not the band, the World Health Organization declares monkeypox a global health emergency as infections soar. So the move to label the outbreak a public health emergency of international concern, the highest level of alert the WHO can issue DEFCON 5, folks. Dang, I was about to That's say what the same this thing. is. This is DEFCON. One. That would be one. It goes. Oh, it was, DEFCON it was 1. Down, yeah. Right? yeah. We're at DEFCON. We're at DEFCON. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Level red. Zero. It's Negative. red. Uh, it's expected to marshal new funding to fight the outbreak and to pressure governments into action. More than 16,500 cases of monkeypox have been reported in 74 countries. With five deaths. And then put that part in there. But five. Oh, five. Yeah. Five deaths so far is what I've heard as of today, which is like uh, 0.03%-ish. So it's going to kill it. We already said it's going to kill everyone. Yeah. So the WHO director general emphasized that any containment measures should respect the, quote, human rights and dignity of gay and bisexual men. 
quote, stigma and discrimination can be as dangerous as any virus, he said. So that last sentence, well, not that last sentence, but the one before it, I do, I do like that we're coming out this time and we're going to be super, super worried about the uh, human rights and dignity of the people that could be affected by this. And so anytime that we have containment measures, of course, you want to make sure that you are respecting all the human rights of, the, of those people, mm. right? That's no. what we normally do. Of course. Yeah. But in this case, that's what we're doing, I guess. Yeah. The emergency declaration came after a second meeting of International Health Regulations Emergency Committee, which declined to take the step a month ago. The committee remained divided Saturday on whether the outbreak constituted an emergency, with nine members opposed to such a declaration and six in favor. But the director general took the unusual step of not heeding the advice of the committee and declaring an emergency anyway. <laughs> so what did we just learn there? They voted on whether or not it should be an emergency. They voted no. Nine to six. And they just decided to make it an emergency anyway. Yeah. Okay. 33% more. Super serious. Votes to the no side. The committee member who did not believe an emergency declaration was warranted. That's like 50% more, but... Anyway, uh, cited several reasons, including early signs that the outbreak uh, of the outbreak stabilizing. They also noted scant evidence of substantial transmission beyond men who have sex with men and concerns that a health emergency would fuel discrimination against the LGBT community in countries where homosexuality is criminalized. So now if you get monkeypox and you're clearly having sex with other men and if it's illegal, off with your head in Saudi Arabia, at least. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Experts believe close contact during male-to-male sexual activity is a major driver of transmission in the ongoing outbreak. The virus spreads through other forms of skin-to-skin contact and in households through prolonged respiratory spread and the sharing of contaminated items. Authorities have also reported small numbers of women and children infected with monkeypox. At least it's only going after the men. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Titanic, we got to protect the women and children first. That's true. Um, which, by the way, is such a patriarchal. I mean, that's it's kind of messed up. Yeah. It's so, yeah, this whole disease. I could is imagine sexist, something so patriarchal as making sure women and children are saved first, and then men are last. Mm-hmm. Mm. How about that, Rosamund Lewis, technical lead? Have you seen a really funny meme, by the way, where the guy goes up to the boat? And they're like, "Women and children only, sir," and he's like, "Sir, I am a woman." <laughs> no. <laughs> Not a problem you had a lot back there in 1912 mm. uh, or whenever it was. Let's talk about Rosamond here. Technical lead for monkeypox at the uh, WHO Health Emergencies Program said monkeypox appears to be concentrated among men who have sex with men because they have more frequent social gatherings and participate in events involving intimate contact with multiple partners. Quote, this is a situation where there's obviously more skin-to-skin, person-to-person contact. On Saturday, the CDC issued a statement supporting the WHO's emergency declaration. Quote, as it can serve to galvanize the international community to more quickly and effectively respond to and combat this virus. The WHO's move is not likely to have a direct effect on the U.S. response, but it could put pressure on the Biden administration to declare monkeypox a public health emergency, along with the climate. Everything's an emergency. And everything else, Mm -hmm. which could result in increased funding and compel states and local authorities to report more data to the CDC. That's what we do need is uh, more funding for the CDC, for sure. They spent hardly any money beefing up any of our systems 
during the COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. There was nothing to try and make any of our reporting systems better, the CDC any better, HHS, none of that kind of stuff. And it's it's about time that we finally put some money into our public health system. And, and as, it's been lacking money this whole time. As Amanda said here, condom mandates. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I don't know Sim- if it's actually sexual transmission or if it's just like a bunch of like, rubbing. I don't know if you have to like rub your butts together or like what a, <laughs> it, exactly how it yeah. occurs. I, you know, the whole idea is going to create a stigma or anything like that. I mean, that's, I, I hope that it doesn't create some kind of stigma, but I also hope that we realize that there is a certain population that this is dangerous for and everyone else, unfortunately, I'm not trying to be bigoted here, but everyone else seems like they're going to be fine. And there's, you know, they've already got vaccines and stuff out there for this. It's got an extremely low death rate and uh, seems like we got this under control. Plus, I found this medication on the Internet the other day that takes care of this thing um, pretty easily. (laughs) For those of you not watching. I was just going to maybe leave it for the live group, but um, you can. (laughs) Oh, yeah, let's let's do that. You have to go watch the video. You got to watch the video. Um, but I did find this. It seems like it would take care of the problem. Now, are they still, did that get pulled from the shelves probably? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean. It does stigmatize the, this whole situation. Has the, has the CDC come out and said that that's for horses? <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, anyway, we'll go on to the next story, that, which also has to do with monkey pox real fast. This weird thing happening, which hardly ever happens. The U.S. monkeypox response is mirroring early coronavirus missteps, the experts are saying right now. Public health experts are increasingly <coughs> concerned that the federal government's handling of the largest ever U.S. monkeypox outbreak is mirroring its cumbersome response to the coronavirus pandemic two and a half years ago, with potentially dire consequences. As a result, they said, community transmission is occurring largely undetected, in that critical window in which the control of the outbreak is closing quickly. Quote, It's been unbelievably challenging, says Lauren Sauer, director of the Special Pathogens Research Network. Quote, It felt like January 2020 all over again. Is that when our Congress folks and senators were telling us that nothing to worry about? Yeah, we should go to, to Chinatown? Well, what, <laughs> what's, happened, what's happening here is that around that time is when Trump himself, specifically because of him and the fact that he was president, messed up the entire public health response to this virus because of him specifically being a terrible person. Mm. Uh, Our entire public health response to this brand new novel virus that they just created very recently in the lab, uh, that uh, it didn't respond properly and a bunch of people died. Remember how xenophobic he was for shutting down? Of course. Travel to China? Yeah. Uh, and so anyway, this this has nothing to do with that. This is probably still partially Trump's fault. We'll try and figure out exactly um, how this is. More than 150 monkeypox cases have been identified in the U.S. since May 19th. More than th- 3,300 cases have been detected in 42 countries. And this is one's a little bit older. We're up to 16,000 now in 70-something countries around the world, as you can see. The rash is spreading quickly, but as other nations have ramped up their efforts to track and prevent the spread of infection, experts say the United States has moved too slowly to expand access to monkeypox testing and vaccinate people at high risk. The government's failure to clearly and urgently communicate the symptoms and risks associated with monkeypox, a disease spread by close contact that can lead to fever, pain, and visible rash, 
has left gay and bisexual men who are disproportionately contracting the virus especially vulnerable. The plodding U.S. response so far raises doubts the country's preparedness for the next pandemic about the country's preparedness for the next pandemic. Now, I thought that we were going to be prepared for the next thing. I thought that's what this administration's doing. So you're saying Biden hates gays. That's essentially what I am saying. That's exactly what I said. Mm. Uh, clinicians have, uh, oh, let me see. Frustrations are running particularly high because unlike the coronavirus, monkeypox has been studied for decades by global and U.S. experts who know the tools, strategies, and vaccine protocols that can limit spread. Clinicians have faulted the CDC for testing criteria that they say are too narrow and have resulted in long waits, sometimes multiple days, in identifying positive cases. Under the current framework, physicians who want to test for an individual suspected to have monkeypox must first consult with a state epidemiologist. First time this has ever happened, right? We don't have any... Uh, any historical evidence that the government mm. just sucks at every single freaking thing that they do. No, it's so weird. Two federal officials involved in the monkeypox response said there are significantly more cases across the U.S. that are being missed because testing had not been expanded beyond the network of public health laboratories. Why is it so hard to get a monkeypox test? I don't know. Is it because the government's not sending out free ones? It's, it is because they have not increased the funding for monkeypox. That is the main thing that we're running into right now. The CDC, quote, the CDC is very narrowly defining criteria for testing, and the New York Department of Health is not going outside of those criteria. So if you don't check off every single one of the boxes based on CDC, you don't get access to testing. Clearly, this is a market failure. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. Yeah. It's a market failure. That damn Abbott and and, uh, Aetna. I don't remember all the pharmaceutical companies. There's only three now. Yeah. Uh, Pfizer. It's all those. It's those people's. It's that guy who just got paid $100 million. It's the golden parachute guy. That's what it is. It's the Moderna CEO of Golden Parachute. Mm -hmm. He's holding us back. A spokesman for the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. Health and Mental Hygiene. Got to clean your brain. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget to brush your brain for two minutes. He's got a dirty brain, man. (laughs) Confirm that providers must contact the agency to evaluate the case and determine whether testing is necessary. Man. Mm. Oh, we fixed everything, didn't we? James. You just call call him up. You're like, hey, I I think I got a case of monkeypox. I want to test for it. And they're like, well, what, what is it? What's your symptoms? Oh, it looks like. Monkeypox, all the symptoms yeah. that I went to school for to, to identify. They're like, no, you can't test. Like, no, you can't test. Mm-mm. Like, well, no, I think he's got monkeypox, but I can't be sure without the test. No, we can't do it. And he, it's, yeah. could you? It's like, have you guys ever tried to call the government? By the way, any oh. government, um, Department of Revenue. It's tough. You get the. I would the, like the manager of the government on the phone right now. Actually, I, I need I, to talk to them. I know. It doesn't matter whether it's state, local. Sometimes local is a little bit better, uh, but. Uh, state, federal government, Jesus. Try to get anybody on the phone from those, those, those folks. The IRS, you can't even get a hold of the IRS. To who, give them money. To give them money. They don't have enough funding. Unless you, unless you call between like 8 a.m. and 8.15 a.m. Like you might get through after like holding for five to ten minutes. Otherwise, you're literally on hold for like six hours. They don't even have the customer service to talk to people that they're trying to steal money from. <laughs> it's like, hey, you owe us money, 
And then you're like, hey, I'm trying to call you to like button some things up so I can send you that money. And they're like, no, you got to be on hold for six hours. Well, it's a great conversation about incentives right there, because why would they have what you're hoping they would have? They steal it from you anyway. They can just go into your bank account and take the money. Amazon can't just go into the bank account and take your money or any of these other places can't do that. They just get to take your money. So why would they? You know what? I agree, too. It would be a waste of money for them to do that. I don't call people I'm about to spend uh, to steal money from and like give them great customer service or anything. Just rob them. I'm just going to get the money anyway. I don't rob anyone, by the way. I want to mm. make that clear. It's not something I do. Well, the only difference is the CEO of the IRS doesn't have a $500 million yacht, <laughs> Nate. So he's a good guy. He's got a billion-dollar yacht. <laughs> James James Krellenstein, co-founder of an HIV care nonprofit that has pressed state and federal officials to expand testing, said that no one can confidently say if the outbreak is under control. He said... It's ex I'm extremely, extremely frustrated. It's as if what happened in COVID in February of 2020 never happened. This is not the first time. And to see CDC, HHS, and other officials make the same errors over again is inexplicable considering how large the cost was in 2020. And I'm surprised, uh, you know, with the fact that Trump isn't the president right now, that they're having a hard time even taking care of this. Mm. It's almost like this massive bureaucracy and these agencies are just terrible at everything they do. I want to tell you guys about a sponsor for the show, which is the Expat Money Show from our good friend, Mikkel Thorup. Listen, becoming an expat, that is a difficult decision. But for those of you that are in any way on the fence about this, you're curious about it, you wonder about the logistics of it, hands down, Expat Money Show is the best place to go to hear all of the advice, all of the strategy on how to do this. You're going to learn all about precious metals, uh, how to store your money the best way possible. You're going to learn about cool things like how to legally avoid paying taxes, getting passports so you can travel all around the world, how to actually protect the assets that you have from some of these tyrannical governments. And by the way, there is an expat online money summit, the expat money summit that is coming up in November. And yes, it is going to have the one and only Ron Paul speaking. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but I tell you what, Mikkel, he knows exactly what to do because he has been living this life. He's not just a guy that's out there talking about this thing that you can do. He's literally living it on a daily basis. He knows everything there is to know about becoming an expat. So go to the expat money show, listen to that podcast and all also, go sign up for the free Expat Money Summit coming up in November. Once again, go to the Expat Money Show on all of your podcast apps and go to the link in the show notes so you can sign up for the free online Expat Money Summit. It's, this is so weird that this is happening. Yeah. It's uh, a, like you're telling me that the government didn't learn from their mistakes. Mm -mm. That's that's well, the narrative from Trump's mistakes. They didn't get Biden's six trillion dollar budget through, you know, so you can't expect them to be able to take care of this right now. Mm. That's why he wanted all that extra money. Officials say they are also worried about possible supply chain bottlenecks with the vaccine. A problem that emerged during the COVID pandemic as countries competed for resources to fight the virus and hard hit nations such as India moved to ban exports of coronavirus vaccines. The U.S. currently has more than 65,000 doses of Ginos. <laughs> Ginos. Which the gays don't want to take. Ginos. <laughs> it's bad marketing right there, if I yeah. ever heard of it. 
tell you what, a, a two-shot vaccine immediately available in a strategic national stockpile, officials said. The government has also requested that 300,000 additional government-owned doses be soon shipped to the United States and has ordered another 500,000 doses to be delivered later this year. Maybe we should just let the market take care of this problem. No, we need the strategic national stockpile, Nate. <laughs> there's, there's no way, like... Yeah. People need to take tests, and so companies would make tests that you could buy at Walgreens. Just imagine this crazy, crazy world where people desire to test for something that was going around in public, and they wanted to go to a store and buy the test, and they could take the test somehow. There's no way the market would ever create any kind of thing like that. There's no way you could ever do that. No, that's a market failure. Yeah, exactly. And with a vaccine companies don't just willy-nilly make vaccines for stuff that thousands to millions of people need to take. They require the government to spend billions of dollars and buy up those things and keep them in a national strategic stockpile. I only of make course. vaccines for golden parachutes. Yeah, that's it. It's the only, the only way I'm going to make one. Guarantee me a golden parachute and I will make you a vaccine for all the poxes. I don't Every know why pox. we're singling out monkey. It's like, we should make a vaccine that has the monkey, chicken, uh, whatever, pig, pox, Putin's pox. Putin pox. That's what's going that's, around right now. That's the one that we well, need. Well, that's the one we got to watch out for. Mm -hmm. It's a real you dangerous know? one. It kills democracy. It's, it does. Yeah. All right. Then Spe we would all really be dead. Speaking of bad things, um, Charles, this article from The Blaze, I didn't hear anything about this, uh, but we do. You do remember talking about AB5 in California. That's where they were going to decide that all of the gig workers or independent contractors basically had to be employees of stuff. And we know the Uber and Lyft, they got themselves exempt from it. Some other people got exempt from it. And they've actually wanted to pass this nationally, which would be potentially the worst legislation to go through Congress if they were to do that. The most dangerous legislation, I would say... I don't know, since the uh, early 1900s, I bet it would be the worst thing to go through if they would actually pass the PRO Act. Well, but these workers are, like, healthcare is a right, Nate. Mm -hmm. And if you're working for someone, they have to provide that for you. Of, of course they do. Mm -hmm. This is from the Blaze. Whether you want it or not. Thanks, Glenn. Glenn's a nice guy. He's a nice guy, yeah. Truckers shut down Port of Oakland in protest of Gavin Newsom's labor law as California's supply chain goes from bad to worse gone from suck to blow <laughs> independent truckers shut down the port of oakland as a protest against a labor law signed by gavin newsom since monday california truckers have been blocking access to the port and this sounds familiar yeah they've been blocking access to the port of oakland with a protest against assembly bill five the truck drivers successfully stopped operations at the oakland port from wednesday through friday the Port of Oakland said in a Wednesday statement, quote, truckers, uh, trucker protests that started Monday over the implementation of AB5 have effectively shut down operations at shipping terminals at the Port of Oakland. The shutdown will further exacerbate the congestion of containers dwelling at the Oakland seaport as port officials urge terminal op operations to resume. I feel like they had some kind of AI system write that sentence. <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah. that was dry as hell. <laughs> the International Longshore and Warehouse Union Local 10 president, Farless Daly, what a name, Farless Daly, he told CNBC, 
Quote, every day ILWU workers are getting up at 5 a.m. to drive to the dispatch hall and fill jobs at the port. But when they get to the terminals, the trucker protests are creating conditions which make it unsafe for workers to pass through the gates and do our jobs. Isn't that weird they that can't, the, the mm. person running the truckers union is very upset about this protest? Yes, yeah. that's weird. The protest has caused containers to back up, exacerbating the ongoing supply chain issues in California. A spokesperson for Newsom's office issued a statement. California is committed to ensuring our state's truck drivers receive the protections and compensation they are entitled to. This administration has employment tax incentives, small business financing and technical assistance, resources to support this essential industry. The state will continue to partner with truckers and the ports to ensure the continued movement of goods to California's residents and businesses, which is critical to all of us. Now, they just want to ensure that you truck drivers receive all of the protections and compensation that you are entitled to, whether you like it or not, and whether or not you feel like you're entitled to it, or whether or not you're interested in receiving any of those things. You must receive all of these protections and the compensation that we're going to force upon you. Mm. And why would they? Why would they not want it? They're just—it's just to help the truckers. It's something so good you're. You want to protest over it. So good, it's got to be forced. <laughs> yeah. AB5, these people just don't know what's but, good for them. I, you know, I've been seeing that a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Did you notice all those people who voted against the interracial marriage? You know, one of them was a black representative <laughs> from South Carolina who's married to a white woman, by the way. He voted against that. It's like, dude, just file he, for a divorce if you hate it that he much. He voted against, and you know, I saw all the comments. These people, they're so right. You know, when I read the comments and I, I look at them and I'm like, oh, man, they were like, oh, man, these people vote against things that are good for them. Mm. He doesn't even this guy's in Congress and doesn't even understand that he voted against codifying his own marriage that he's a part of. Oh, I bet you he understands. <laughs> and and he's a black guy that doesn't even know how racist his own party is. Well, luckily, there were some rich white liberals there to tell him how stupid he was. That's my biggest thing lately is like, I saw, I, you know, I've seen these other videos too, where people are, people are going around, uh, like, for instance, I saw a video of a guy who is in a, like a traditional Mexican costume with a, <laughs> costume. with a sombrero <laughs> and he's got like a fake mustache and some maracas and he's going around and all these white liberals are like, oh, that's so offensive. Like, take that off. Um, but then he actually goes into like a uh, uh, Hispanic area. You call it a costume. And and every okay, traditional garb is that better? Traditional Mexican garb. And exactly what Costco just said. My friends from Mexico would love it. He went into like an Hispanic part of the city and went around and asked if he was offended. And they they all were laughing. They're like, "No, we love that. That looks awesome." Like, that's a great, in fact, the reason why I said costume is because one of the Mexican guys said, that's a nice costume. <laughs> that's what he said to him. Okay. So I just, you know, I find it, I find this hilarious where it's the, it's literally white people mm-hmm. telling other people who are actually the other races and actually the other ethnicities, like the whole Latinx thing. They're telling all these other people how offensive it is, how offensive it should be to them. And it's just like, it's so mind boggling, which brings us back to the original point of this, which is California telling (laughs) truckers 
Like what they don't even know what's good for them. We have to do this for you because you you can't see how bad it is. We have to do this for you. On this conversation, though, I actually wanted to, you know, you're doing this whole thing about the basically like what I said too. the rich white liberals are just telling people what's best for them. It's really more racist than even all the racist thing that they say that they're really uh, upset and worried about all the time. And I know that this is a random break from the topic, but the Libertarian Party of Tennessee uh, posted this video on their TikTok the other day, and I was going to play it in one of our episodes, and I thought this was pretty good. So this is a video, uh, this is not on topic at all, and I want to make sure that we cover some good stuff. Um, But uh, this is a less than three minute long video of someone going around asking if voter ID laws are racist. I don't know who the original yeah, person similar was. Similar video this. to the other, yeah. And so this is people going around asking if voter ID laws are racist. And it's funny because he goes around and he asks a bunch of white people about voter ID laws and their explanations of why they are racist are some of the most racist, blatantly racist things I've ever heard anyone say out mm. loud. And they just feel like they're just being better just better than everyone else because they just want to take care of the poor black people who don't know how to use the internet or whatever Mm -hmm. the thing is. And I don't know if they know this, but all these ideas on the left are more racist than any of the things they're calling out as as racist all the time. They are the blatantly racist people. It's clearly obvious. And I was talking to Nate the other day, like I'm starting to get angry, like at the situation because like they have tried to hold this moral high ground for so long and the truth of the matter is, is like they're the ones who are actually racist. Yeah. Like we should write the we should write the book on white fragility and explain all the ways in which they are the ones with their privilege and their privileged woke positions who are actually the ones exhibiting racism in front of everyone's faces and like this undercover guise of uh, telling everyone else they're racist. It's this gaslighting disguise pointing the finger at everyone else when it's they're the ones that are true the racist and and I'm I'm reached the point where I'm tired of capitalism or free markets being called racist where you know folks like us who believe in liberty for everyone being called racist and all of that and exposing the actual true race racist and flipping the script on them let's play it real quick uh, yeah, they're usually pretty racist and <laughs> they're bad. I think voter ID laws are a way to perpetuate racism. Would you say they're, would you go as far as say they're, they're, those laws are racist? For sure. Do you think it suppresses the uh, African American vote? Definitely. Uh, because they're less likely to have state IDs. Minority voters are less likely to have the kinds of IDs that have been um, described or required. These type of people don't live in areas with easy access to DMVs or other places where they can get identification. You can always get IDs um, you can do over the internet. Does that also would make it difficult for, for black people in particular? Yeah, you have to have access to the internet. You have to be able to pay an internet service provider for certain fees. Do you think that's harder for black people to go online? Well, I feel like they don't have the knowledge of how, of like, how it works. A lot of people have smartphones, but you might not have data. For most of the communities, they don't really know what is out there just because they're not aware or like they're not informed. I also think there's a repression of like black voting with um, how they, how if you're a convicted felon, like you're not allowed to vote and everything. And when you look at swing states like Florida, that's a huge population of the of the like African Americans. Now I'm here in East Harlem to ask black people their thoughts on what you just heard. Do you have ID normally? You carry ID? Around? Yes, I have state ID. Do you carry ID? Yes, I do. 
Do you know anybody, who, any black person doesn't carry ID? No. Everyone that I know has an ID. Why would they think we don't have ID? <laughs> That's a lie. Why would they say that? Do you have ID? Yes. Because I have my ID and my friends have their ID, so like, we know what we need to carry around. Yeah, everybody that I know have ID. Like, that's one of the things you need to walk around with New York with, an ID. Do you know any black adult who does not have ID? No, I don't. Is it a weird thing to even say that? Yes, it is. What is this, some, some type of uh, trick candy camera? I like know, that? right? <laughs> That's the only thing I brought with me. Those are legit, yeah. legit IDs. I heard a lot also that uh, black people can't figure out how to get to the DMV. Really? Is that, is that, what does that say to you? I know it's that, 125th Street. Do you know where the ID, the, the DMV is around you? It's on 125th Street and 3rd Avenue, I believe. You know how to get there? Yeah. Did you have a problem getting there if you had to get there? No. It's, I know these sound like silly questions. You know how to get the AV? Of course. You know where it is? Yes. You can get there? Uh-huh. No problem. No problem. Just checking. Okay. And I also heard a lot that black people, especially poor black people, have no access to the internet, can't figure out how to use the internet. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's just stupidity, honestly. Everybody has access to the internet. Even a little kid can figure out how to work the internet. I had access to the internet for years. You know how to use it properly, right? Exactly. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. I do a lot of things to take care of my mind. For a while there, it wasn't something that I ever thought about. I thought I could just go through life and not ever think about my mental health, whether or not I was too stressed out, whether or not I was burnt out, whether or not there were things that I could actually solve. But if you think about it, you're only going to get this one mind, this one brain, and you should really take good care of it in the same way that you would take care of your car if you were going to have to use it for the rest of your life. Don't waste any of your time being upset, angry, depressed, anxious, burnout, stressed out, when there could be something you could do to actually fix it. There's a lot of things you can do, by the way. You could take some naps if you want to. You can take some time off, take a vacation. But there's also BetterHelp online therapy. So therapy is something I've done. Charlie uses BetterHelp still. He's been using it for over a year now. So if there's something that you need to talk to someone about, you could use BetterHelp. Now BetterHelp is an online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on the camera if you don't want to. It's a lot more affordable than in-person therapy. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours and our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com gml. That's betterhelp.com slash gml. It's so, like, it's so mind-boggling. Yeah. They act like, they, like they're the ones who truly act like these are just helpless, like, people who are below them in intelligence and everything that they don't have any common sense on how to use the internet or where to go to get an ID or any of these things. Yeah. It's actual racism and they disguise it by calling everyone else racist. Like you said, it's gaslighting, it's projection. It's uh, all, all sorts of things uh, in psychology that come from the left all the time. And I'm sick of letting them get away with it. I am too. It's so, time. It's time to retake the moral high ground. Mm hmm. And how it relates to the truckers here. Is, <laughs> that was a random break. Well, but it all it's all relative because yeah. again, here's something so good they have to force it upon you. As if as if the truckers aren't smart enough and there aren't to know what's good for them. There aren't options either, by the way, Charlie. There are already 
trucker unions. There are businesses you can go become an employee at if you are a trucker, or you can be an independent contractor and do that. And a lot of businesses are going to go with the people that are independent contractors, so they don't have to deal with the unions. So what happened in California? The unions paid off the people in the government to create this law that essentially is going to force a bunch of people into joining unions. And that's the same thing with like the PRO Act that they're talking about nationally. Which is so weird. Why would they do such a thing? Because they care so deeply for the worker. The average, yeah. The average worker. They're that's why for they would do the it. worker. Yeah. Mm. Um, anyway, we can go on to the next thing. I think you generally get our idea. But so this AB5 thing had happened a while back in California, by the way. They ended up getting in 2020, they had an injunction that prevented AB5. Uh, from including the independent truckers, but the Supreme Court declined to review the case last month. And so now this is going in effect in California. That's why people are protesting now, even though we talked about AB5 a while back. So that's what's happening now mm. in California. So, Remember when we talked about it back then, like none of, none of those <clears throat> things were going to come true. No. We no, were just crazy conspiracy theorists back then. Okay. And now you see the actual fruits of one's legislation coming to pass and what do you know it it sucks to be right about these things like why are these people protesting for their right to just have their own independent business why why they know it it's just because they don't know what's good for them and it takes the state government to force these people into a situation that's good for them they've clearly been brainwashed by right-wing domestic terrorists who watch shows such as The Terminalist. <laughs> exactly. In between Tucker Carlson yes. reruns, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Trucker, okay. Trucker Carlson. A tweet from Bernie Sanders I wanted to make sure we get to today. We haven't talked about the minimum wage here in a bit, but he tweeted this thing out the other day that was extremely dumb and uh, got a lot of retweets. I took it. I actually took the screenshot the day that he tweeted it. I don't know what it's at right now. But here's what Bernie said. A worker today would need to make nearly three times the minimum wage in order to afford an average one-bedroom apartment. So a worker today would need to make nearly three times the minimum wage in order to afford an average one-bedroom apartment. That makes no sense to me, me either, since it was a stupid example, nor do I think it makes sense to the American people. <sighs> Thank makes you, Bernie. no sense to me, nor do I think... It makes sense to the American people. What do you see the initial problem with that, Charlie? Well, why would the worker need to make nearly three times the minimum wage? Uh, I'm not sure. Well, I mean, because the minimum wage is so low. I mean, it's like seven twenty-five or whatever the federal minimum wage is. Mm. So, you know, they have to. But to afford a, an average one-bedroom apartment, that's what they have to do. So the very first thing that is a problem with that is that you're comparing the minimum amount that almost no one makes. And I brought some data to talk about with that. The minimum amount that almost no one makes to the average price of a one-bedroom apartment across the United States. So first off, you're comparing apples to oranges, if you but want to say that. Nate, in the patriarchal system, in the 50s, a man could go out and work a minimum wage job and support a family of four. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They could have two vehicles, a house, three squares a day <laughs> and two babies and a wife, a peddling wife. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's taking your paycheck away from your beer money to feed these hungry kids. I would say that you could also live on all of those exact same amenities and this that people had in the sixties on minimum wage right now as well. 
if you just want to think about that. Uh, you don't need a cell phone. You don't need any kind of cell phone plan. You don't need the internet. Probably got air conditioning, of course, in your house, but uh, not any real nice appliances or anything like that. You don't need any streaming services, of course. You wouldn't want to do that. Uh, your car probably just had, first model with seatbelts, more than, more than likely. Uh, don't get one with a backup camera or airbags. You don't want to be able to, you don't want to get one of those. Mm-mm. Gets about, you know, 12 miles of the gallon, something like that. And uh, you'd probably be able to do all that on minimum wage right now, mm-hmm. just like you could then. Mm-hmm. Turns out we got a lot nicer stuff right now. Uh, the the most obvious annoying thing he does right there is comparing the minimum amount that someone can make to what the average price of something is. If you're going to make an accurate comparison, you would compare it to what the minimum amount is that you would pay. For minimum for minimum. Compare the minimum to the minimum. Or the average to the average. Why are we comparing the minimum to the average? There's no reason that someone who makes the minimum should automatically be able to afford the average. That's you, why it's an average. It's got stuff lower and it's got stuff higher. It's an average. So is he saying that this tweet that he wrote himself makes no sense to him? <laughs> That's how and I read it. You know. it makes sense yeah. to the American people? <laughs> That's what it, that is what it sounds like. This may, that makes no sense to me and it doesn't make sense to the American people. I agree with Burr. Actually, he's based Spot on this. Spot on, yeah. man. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. A few random things are annoyingly uh, random things right here. Here's the national average rent price right now. One bedroom, like 1700 two bedroom, 2000 It's expensive, right? Mm-hmm. So so that's going up a bunch. Then we got some stuff uh, about rent. Uh, by the way, people in a live group, let's do this real quick. Someone give me a city and state. We can look at the rent prices at right now because I'm going to talk about if you're making the minimum, uh, then you should, Omaha is the first thing I got right here. If you're making the minimum, then can you afford the minimum? Why are we talking about what the average is if you're making the minimum? So let's go and look at that real quick. Don't worry, I got all this pulled up already. You said Omaha, uh, Nebraska. Let's go and look at Nebraska real quick. What is their minimum wage? I'm just curious at the moment. Probably nothing, I bet. I bet they don't give anyone any money. Where is, is Nebraska? $9. $9. $9 an hour is the state minimum wage right there. Now, let's uh, let's go and look at Nebraska. Oh, God, I'm going to have to find Nebraska. Uh, nope. Uh, right there, there we go. Yeah, that was it, right? Why is it? It's not changing as I click around. Oh, now it's changing. Okay. Now, let me see. Average rent, 1000 is the average in Nebraska. Right there. Now let's uh, let's just look at Omaha, Nebraska over here. I told you I had all this ready to go. Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. Uh, let's check and see. I didn't get one for eight dollars. <laughs> right there. <laughs> now let's see what we got here in in Omaha. Uh, let's see, ranging from four forty to six seventy. There's a one bed right there, four ninety five. Four ninety five to five fifteen. Uh, four ninety to five seventy five. 525 to 670, 525 to 710, getting expensive here, but the, starting at the one bedroom there, 525, 525 right there. Uh, let's see, someone else give me uh, give me another one. Lawrenceville, oh, Kansas City, Missouri, that's another one. So as you see, the average in Nebraska was 1,000, but I just found, let's just look from here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, eight apartments that are well under that average price right there in Omaha. Now, those are those the nicest places in the world? Uh, they're probably not even average. <laughs> they're, pro- 
<laughs> They're probably I, below average apartments. That's just a guess, though. Yeah, I bet they are. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Someone said Kansas City. Missouri. Did they say Missouri? Yeah, they said say Missouri. Missouri. Making sure we didn't make that mistake. Let's see. We're starting here at 445 for the one-bedroom, 475, 475, uh, 520, 552. That place is looking nice. Getting nice now, 558, 570, 579, 580, 595. Uh, weird, unicorn apartments. Those are pretty nice right there. Uh, now, those are all, what, around the 570 range? Let's see what the average rent is. In that's, Can- Kansas. that's Kansas. I thought that's where we were there. looking. Oh, no, Kansas we're looking City, at Missouri. Missouri. Yeah. 1,200 is the average rent mm. right there. Now, in Kansas City, Missouri, I just found a bunch that are under 600 bucks. And so that's one thing that really drives me nuts that people do. Amanda says Missouri City, Kansas. That probably is a place. There's like names, mm-hmm. you know, everyone. Okay, so um, you can get an apartment. It might not be the average apartment. It might not be the average price apartment, but that's well below the average price of an apartment. And you're when you're comparing the minimum amount that someone can make, uh, well, then you should also look at what are the cheapest apartment options available. There's no reason that you should be making the minimum amount that a person can make and also be able to afford the average price. You know what would happen if you could? Then that average price would then become way higher because if the minimum amount was enough to afford whatever that apartment was, it was average price, that would become the lowest price one. And then the average would go way up mm-hmm. after that because that's what would happen in the market. Now, they don't want to do that. Even the Murfreesboro, these like brand new looking apartments, not really brand new, probably just remodeled. They got nice patio furniture at least. Five sixty nine, six eighty seven. The average price here in Tennessee is fourteen hundred bucks. So when Bernie Sanders is comparing things, he's looking at the price in Tennessee, which is fourteen hundred. Well, right here, uh, close to the office, I can get a place for five sixty nine for a one bedroom. So why now, even ma- even the, remember Nebraska was nine dollars an hour, <clears throat> yeah, which would give you almost fifteen hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. And the apartment's five hundred, so it's a third of the cost. Even at even at federal minimum wage, which almost no one makes, like literally less than like a million people or less. Don't worry, like, I brought those numbers. Okay, but let's say federal minimum wage, you're at a uh, eleven. Let's say eleven hundred dollars flat. You're looking at a five to six hundred dollar apartment. That's still you can still afford that. Mm-hmm. Now you may not be able to get all the other stuff that you want. You know, well, like, the other way that they do this is they say that you should be able to afford it and it should only be 30% of your monthly expenses. So they take that number and they take 30%. And if it's above 30%, then you can't afford the place because you got to be able to have like Netflix and stuff. You know, it's just an arbitrary thing that they put on for like perfect household income expenditures. You know, you shouldn't be paying more than 30%. But that's not the position that people making the minimum wage are in. It's just not. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Now, speaking of, Charlie said almost no one makes the federal minimum wage. That's something that he heard on Tucker Carlson one time, probably. Trucker Carlson. Tr- <laughs> you missed that when I said it earlier. I didn't so hear I did, that. That's I good. had to get it in again. <laughs> yeah, no, I did not hear you say that. That's pretty good stuff. Okay, so from the BLS, that's the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Not in, the Bureau of Land Management. In uh, 2021, 76 million workers age 16 and older were paid at hourly rates. And that's 55% of all workers. Among those paid by the hour, 181,000 workers earned exactly the federal minimum wage. 
of 725 per hour. I repeat, 181,000 workers earned exactly the prevailing federal minimum wage. And about 910,000 workers have wages below the federal minimum. Below the federal minimum. Oh, that's that's crazy right there. Must be in agriculture. Man, together... These 1.1 million workers with wages at or below the federal minimum wage make up 1.4% of all hourly paid workers. 1.4% of all hourly paid workers. And they can't afford an average apartment. They can't afford the average. Now, let's look at this number real quick. We get 181,000 earned exactly the federal minimum wage. 910,000 wages below the federal minimum. How the heck is that even possible? Well, I'm glad you asked about that. This does not include questions on whether workers are covered by the minimum wage provisions of the Federal Fair Labor Standards Act or by individual state or local minimum laws. This estimates workers paid at or below the federal minimum wage are based solely on the hourly wage they report, which does not include overtime pay, tips, or commissions. So that massive number they have of people making less than the minimum wage includes everyone who works for tips or commissions, which... Charlie, did you ever work for tips? Sure did. Now, would you say you made at or below the minimum wage? Which act like the IRS isn't going to listen. On the paper? No. Oh. In your real life. I think it was over. You think? Mm -hmm. Think it might have been over? Yep. Yeah. Okay, so by the way, going into that, I told you about the numbers. That's why I really wanted to make sure we did Mm. this today. This going into all those people that are at or below the minimum wage, 80% of those people are in service occupations. 80% of them, the rest of them are people who work on commissions or people who uh, do actually get paid less because they work on farms. There's a lower farm wage. By the way, if you work on a farm wage, you're probably in a farm town, which has got a lot lower prices on everything uh, than what you would see as the average prices we could assume. Uh, For instance, if you want to rent like an entire house in the town that I'm from, which is a farm town, you'd probably get it for like 400 bucks a month, something like that. The whole house, not even talking about it's got multiple bedrooms. You know? Yeah, my brother went. I think it's a three. It's a three bedroom, two bath house that has a full basement, and he it's like six hundred bucks a month. Yeah, yeah. Which, which in Nashville, would be at least a million. So, so once again, of that one point one million workers, nine hundred and ten thousand of them were wages below the federal minimum. Um, eighty percent of those are people who work tipped, and the other ones are people who work commissions. And then the other people are people who work on farms. You can literally take that 910,000 workers who made below the federal minimum and probably say 800,000 of them or more are people who actually make well above the minimum wage, but they're not reporting that they make above the minimum wage. Okay. So you can essentially take that 900,000 almost all the way out and basically even it out around 200,000 people in the country that make the federal minimum wage, that that's what they make. Mm. And now, do you think those people are in uh, California, you know, and they're getting the federal minimum wage? Of course, that doesn't take into account all the raised wages in all the other states. 30 states in the United States have minimum wages that are above the federal minimum wage. Uh, And so that's another important thing to take into account. Also, of those 200,000 people, by the way, um, let's just go through some of the data on the ages of these. Now, this is going to take that entire amount right now. Most of them are young people. The majority of them are young people. In fact, half, half. Of, half a million of them, basically half of them, 
are ages 16 to 24 years old. And then as you get older, you see that that number drops off. Now you could look at that and you could say, well, people who are old who decide to go get a job right now, they're able to get a job above the minimum, the federal minimum wage. That's not actually what that chart says. What that chart says is that you start at a job making the minimum wage. And as you get older, you start to make more and more above the minimum wage, meaning you don't stay in that. In fact, a statistic I found, it was actually from Britain. It was actually hard to figure out how long people stay on the federal minimum wage. That's a tough stat to actually find. Uh, they found that something around like 5% of people end up staying on that minimum wage for five years or more. 5% of the people who make uh, hourly wages end up staying at that minimum wage for five years or more. The rest of them move up over time. So what you see by this chart is that as you get older, your wages go up and you're not there anymore. So even those 200,000 people that we talked about that are making that federal minimum wage, they're not going to be on it forever. They're going to move so off so weird. Of yeah, kind of weird. Mm. So, or they go below. Yeah. Uh, they go homeless. I think that might have been the last thing there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the, the basic thing I wanted to get across is that Bernie Sanders, uh, his initials BS actually stand for bullshit, and his next two names are con artists, and that's actually what, it is, what he is. Um, BSCA. He's, he's just an old communist grifter who works for a bunch of big union bosses. They're out there trying to get as much of your money as possible uh, by screwing over all the people who run businesses in order to help their nice communist utopia fantasy. Yeah, and we didn't even get to the money supply in this entire <laughs> no, conversation. That doesn't matter. So that's another thing. Remember we talked <laughs> or the about... restrictions on housing, by the way, the restrictions on building new apartments or on building new houses, building new dwelling units for people, how tough it is to actually build a new place, all the tariffs or that go into control. all of those materials. Or rent control, rent which control. stops people from coming in to want to yeah. build new housing, which, what, raises the cost. So, yeah, there's a lot of different factors here. Most of them, and if not all of them, government, by the way. Yeah. So you can't afford what you need to afford if, you, if you're in that position. It's... It's lar It's actually all because of government, mm -hmm. by the way, all of it. If not, we would be, God, the earth might have already exploded. We'd be so rich. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been, there'd been so much money that it would have collapsed yeah. under its own weight, just we, like Guam. We would have, <laughs> it would have tipped over. It would have, the earth would have tipped over. The earth would have tipped. Which would be impossible. You know, you're printing money based on materials that are on the earth, so the weight never changes, of course. Mm. But anyway... That you know of. You do the Nate. math. <laughs> Who says you can't create weight? Maybe we just I don't haven't think figured you can it out create yet. new matter. All the matter has to come from matter. Mass equals EC squared plus M. Yeah. Do you know that I consider everything, all products, to be natural <laughs> products? I always tell this to my wife just to piss her off so I can be a literal asshole to her. And she's like, well, that's not natural. And I'm like, what do you mean it came from space? Like, what do you mean? She's like, no, it's just got a lot of chemicals and stuff. I'm like, where'd they make those? She's like, oh, in a lab somewhere. I'm like, what'd they use to make them? She's like, oh, they just took all this stuff and put it together. I was like, where'd those things come from? Mm. Earth? <laughs> right. Of course it's natural. <laughs> That's why I was like, anyway. that when people talk about nature, it's like. That's not scientific, by the way. That's just me being a dick. Right. That's when people talk about nature. I'm like, well, aren't humans a part of nature? Yeah. Like, isn't. You said like we're tearing down the forest, forest to build houses, but didn't that all come like we're part of nature too? 
Beavers tell down, tear down trees all the time. Yeah, they take you know? down trees and build those dams. I was we feeding, don't get on to them. I was feeding raccoons from the dog door at my house last night. It's hilarious, by the way. They come through it like it's a freaking drive through window. They come by and grab crackers and stuff. Those freaking things would kill us in a second if they had the chance. The raccoons? Know? The raccoons, yeah. yeah. They, they all would. Of mm. course, we're all just part of nature. We just happen to be, you know, the best. We're number one, man. <laughs> what are you going to do? Human beings, FT-dub. We just happen right. to have the most intelligence. <laughs> We've cl- clearly gone off the rails now. Let's go home. All right, y'all. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit that share button and make sure you subscribe. Go to joingml.com. That's joingml.com to be part of the live group. I am taking donations for a new truck. <laughs> uh, it was totaled, and these are inflation donations. So what I'm looking for is to be able to drive basically the same vehicle at the same cost. Mm-hmm. A 1794 so, edition Toyota Tundra. Exactly. With letters, and it's, leather seats. It's and necessary. Full yeah. It's, mm-hmm, yeah. Got to have it. I, I need all those airbags it comes with. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Yeah. So I'm taking inflation donations. Uh, join gmail.com. Go sign up and be part of the live group and make fun of me. Also and, go to godhatesfeds.com, by the way. Oh, that's right. I, I got my test shirt. I was actually going to wear it today. I and forgot you it's forgot. in there. forgot. Ah. Dang it. God hates feds. There's two S's there. Godhatesfeds.com. It's the new merch store that Nate has uh, so tirelessly worked on. There's not and, that much on there. I still have a few things to put on there. Look, to say I'm proud of you would be an understatement. Thank it's, you, man. I appreciate that. It's good work. All right. If y'all do all those things, share the show with a friend, a family member, a foe, and the children, then we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Come on, man.